This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to the Fine Margins channel, a part of the Hammer Betting Network. My name is John. I'm here with Vinny as we are set to embark on our second video for the tennis season. We did one for the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of the year. And now it's time for the French Open as we shift from hard, fast courts to slowish clay courts. Of course, we can get into the actual court speeds. There have been conflicting things for different players over the past few years, uh, including the now retired Roger Federer. But the point is, it's a completely different surface. Vinny, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. It's been a while since the Aussie, but yeah, pumped to be here again and do it all over again. Yeah. No kidding. It's uh, It should be a fun one. I mean, no Rafa Nadal this year. We'll start right there. I guess it's it's the first time in a long, long time. First time I remember. I, I don't think I remember the last time watching a French Open without him. I was a kid uh, younger than probably 10 years old at the time. So it's 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 a new experience. It opens the field up, though. I mean, there are plenty of contenders. I want to start there before we jump into the actual intricacies of the draw. Um, how many contenders on the men's side do you think there are this year? Yeah, <laughs> when... Before the draw, every, everything would have come down to Alcaraz and Djokovic and everyone was looking where they are placed. Now they're in the same half, so that opens up some space for the second half, of course. So I guess we now sit at three or four contenders, especially with the way Medvedev's been playing. I didn't have him on, on the agenda at all, but he's been playing great and beating quality players. So... We have to take him into, into consideration as well. So, yeah, I yeah, guess, it, yeah, we could yeah, say just, four or five maybe. It's one of those maybe, things where, where I feel like Medvedev with this draw kind of enters the conversation. And Stefano Tsitsipas has almost fallen out of it because of that nature of him being placed into that same section or same quarter uh, as Carlos Alcaraz at the top. Not to mention he hasn't, his record is fine this year. He's made a, a few deep runs. I mean, there's not a, a whole lot to hate about his results if you're looking at it, you know, on a website or on, on a piece of paper. But if you actually watch some of the matches, it feels like he's regressing a bit on his backhand side. Uh, and that's something to watch if he were to run into guys who could really exploit that. I mean, he basically beat himself in Rome. Rome is, of course, one of the tune-up, big tune-up events for the French Open. One of the places that kind of mimics the conditions best to give you gave us an idea uh, of how things are going to work over the next few weeks in Paris and that loss to Medvedev it felt like he he beat himself in a lot of the a lot of the times he was struggling a lot of the service games in which he was broken so uh, we'll end up seeing um, on that for me I agree I think there's about five or six guys all dependent on health as well I mean if Djokovic is fit if he's not fit I don't even know if he's a contender the way he's played uh, during the clay season this year and then of course uh, Yannick Sinner how's he gonna look because he's got a chance as well to beat Medvedev in that bottom quarter. On paper, yeah, but uh, I don't trust his body at all. Um, he's still retiring uh, from tournaments and over best of five, uh, I just take him out of my equation <laughs> when looking at draws. He does have a nice draw, of course, but I don't trust his body at all. And it's funny with him, I, I almost feel like it's not even joking around, really. It's, there's a kind of grain of, of serious thought to it. And the better you are, the more tennis you have to play. But the more tennis you have to play, the more physically able you have to be to do it, right? He just still seems way too slender or or like small in terms of muscle mass to, to deal with the wear and tear that comes with being a top player. And he's too good to be that kind of fragile, that small, right? Because that's just going to break you down all the time. And it's something we've seen. If he were to add some some muscle mass, perhaps 
he becomes one of those perennial contenders at the top level, especially um, able to deal with with everything in best of five formats. Uh, let's jump. Let's go ahead and jump in here to the draw. We have Carlos Alcaraz at the top uh, in the first quarter. At the bottom, Stefano Tsitsipas, as we alluded to. Are there any seeds here that you really think? I mean, it it's almost a a, a really tough kind of uh, dark horse section to pick because you've got Alcaraz here. It's it's so hard to be like, yeah, I think that seed could beat Alcaraz because in no one's mind will that ever you know end up being realistic so are there any seeds you think could potentially somehow upset the apple cart here and and be a shock semi-finalist that aren't Alcaraz or Tsitsipas the one I was looking at was Musetti Lorenzo Musetti but yeah he also has uh, some difficult uh, players to get through first Shevchenko and then Cam Nori in round three um yeah he has the potential, but I'm not sure if he can beat Alcaraz and Tsitsipas back to back. Other than that, you have FAA. Sorry to say, sorry to tell you, but you know that he's still way too inconsistent. Lost first round matches in Rome and Madrid. So yeah, the only one really be Musetti for me. Yeah, I'm no great defender of Canadian tennis as much as I am Canadian. And it's nice to see, like, growing up, Daniel, I remember going to Davis Cup watching Daniel Nestor play singles, okay? Like, it's nice to have some players that, like, are, are a little bit better than that. Uh, but at this point, it's still a little disappointing. Of course, I think Denis Shapovalov's in this same quarter as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's that's so, the boyfriend from, boyfriend of Miriam Björklund, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. because you can't, can't tell anything good about his tennis currently <laughs> uh, nothing nice to bad, say yeah. don't say anything at all right so i guess that that's a good descriptor of it he's he's having his issues as well and so it's another one of those ultra talented seeds that just has been terrible this year and it feels like there's so many of those in this draw overall but especially in this quarter right sebastian corda's in here he's supremely talented yeah. he has the potential to beat alcaraz but he hasn't won a set since the australian open of course he hurt himself and has only played two matches since then you know, Hugo Grenier, and, and to, I can't, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, on, on clay. So it's like, it's one of those things where Sebi Korda could absolutely be a name to watch, especially if Pass is kind of even regressing in the slightest, as we talked about potentially happening when you watch his, when you do tape study on his matches. So it's, it's tough to, to trust a guy like that with, because of injury. You've got like Bernabe Zapata Mirais in here, who's a natural clay quarter, but lost nine games in a row in his, in his last tune-up match before retiring. I don't really take retirement seriously the week before a slam, but because even the smallest tweak uh, that a player feels will just lead them to say, nope, I'm going to Paris. I'm out of here. I'm not risking it. But like, I don't think nine nine games in a row is the point where you think, oh no, something's slightly wrong. That feels like something's really wrong and you've waited till the last minute and still had to retire. So there's question marks there as well. It's It seems like a pretty cut and dry draw for Carlos Alcaraz in the top quarter. Yeah, same for me. Like uh, Tsitsipas really has a perfect draw for him, but I don't see him getting past Alcaraz or even let's get back to Musetti again or Nori. He would have uh, uh, gotten problems problems against these as well. So, yeah, for me, it's Alcaraz as well in the first quarter. And so we'll jump to the second quarter. This is, you know, we go from the Alcaraz quarter to the Djokovic quarter, which could set up a potential, what we call in tennis, a popcorn kind of match in the semifinals. The problem is, do we trust Djokovic to get there? He's hinted, he's said outright, no, I'm fine when it's been clear, you know, he's been shaking his arm during rain delays in Monte Carlo and he's, he lost his service speeds there and he lost in Banja Luka in Bosnia. I just put every clay court event. He's, he hasn't looked like himself almost at all. He pulled out of Madrid entirely. I believe. Can we trust his health, especially in best of five? This used to be his forte where he could outlast you like Rafa. It was his physicality that would beat you in this prolonged format. Plus his talent, obviously. But now it feels like that yeah. physicality is going to be a, a, a detriment for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about his elbow at all. It has to uh, has to uh, bury him. Lost to Musetti, Lajovic, Rune, 
and also he lost sets to Van Asche and Dimitrov and even went to tie breaks against Gakrov, I think. So that's not Djokovic-like at all. Yeah, <laughs> the draw really sets up well for him, but I'm really not sure about his health. And I feel like the draw sets up, it feels like the draw sets up really well for a lot of these top, top players, right? And this is why we, I went, wanted to go that off the top. How many true contenders are there? Because once you get past five or six guys, you really struggle to find someone who one could make a deep run and two could actually upset those top guys in a head to head matchup. Potentially Sinner gets upset because of the aforementioned physicality issues. Perhaps Runa still isn't ready for that best of five tennis. He showed a, a step last year, but still, um, kind of faded it in certain spots against uh, Rude after that third set, I believe, that he kept close or that he won. The, the, the middle two sets were close and the fourth, he kind of tailed off a bit uh, in terms of RPMs or in terms of how hard he was hitting the ball, etc. Outside of their own physical concerns, it's tough to find these kinds of names that you want to pick against them. Like Dav Davidovich Fokina could be one. Uh, he's not too far away from Djokovic. I'd rather see him play Djokovic in the second or third round before one Djokovic gets his feet under him. And two, I mean, if he's, if he's playing Djokovic too far down the line, he's not even a guarantee to be there knowing his game style. So like, is Davidovich looking at someone you might circle that, Hey, he only needs to win two matches before he played Djokovic, right? We don't have to be worried about him tanking out or, or flaming out prior to that match. Yeah, sure. Um, if he gets there because he's playing Arthur Fies, uh, one of our favorites, but yeah, on, and then Luca Van Asch, another French guy, so he has to play against the the public as well. But he, if he gets there, yeah, and Djokovic is not healthy, he also has the game to to really take it to Novak. Could be, could be a good one, but yeah, I'm not sure. Davidovic Fukina doesn't beat the big guys currently, so yeah. But yeah, he's a guy that could be take that could take on Djokovic. Yeah, I feel like he'd be a popular pick just because there's two things that people would would really cling on to. One, the Djokovic physical issues, especially if he drops a set to someone in that second round match. I, I can't see it happening to Kovacevic in the first round. That would be a huge red flag uh, on slow clay. But if he drops a set to like Marton Fukšević, then you know th that that storyline's going to pop up. And of course, Davidovich Fokina beat him in Monte Carlo last year. Obviously different format, best of three versus best of five. It's obviously, you know, again, what, 14 to 16 months later, different thing. But people are going to cling to that head-to-head -head and two potential Djokovic issues. I can see him being a popular pick uh, among the, the tennis handicapping space, uh, if you will. At the bottom of this kind of quarter what here... Else? What else? Sorry. What else would you need uh, for him to to uh, take out Djokovic in row three? Uh, probably somewhere in the plus four hundred range. That's what five point oh oh. Yeah, so plus four hundred ish. I mean, twenty percent seems. And uh, this is this is also impacted, by the way, on how Djokovic looks. Right, this is where the kind sure, of qualitative sure. side comes in. If Djokovic looks really strong, he's not wearing a compression uh, kind of sleeve. He's serving well. The speeds aren't down that I probably need, yeah, like maybe plus five, plus 500, plus 600. But if you've got a situation where he doesn't look as great, obviously that changes the kind of implied probabilities uh, in the matchup and what price you would require. So we'll see We'll see how it is, but I, I have a feeling that he's going to be a rather substantial underdog. And if Djokovic doesn't look healthy, that's a spot I certainly have circled as um, you know, a bear trap he could step into. Rest of the draw in this second quarter or I guess the rest of the first half, if you will, has Andre Rublev down in the seven on the seventh seed at the bottom of the half. Seems like the least dangerous. I don't want to be disrespectful to Rublev, but among the top eight guys or the all the guys out there, you know, Sinner is with Medvedev and Sissipas got Alcaraz. You know what I mean? And, and Runa and Rude. Is this not the one kind of seed in that top eight that you're okay? with with being in a quarter with if you're Novak Djokovic? Yeah, sure. And if I'm a better, um, I'm just never uh, satisfied with draws because <laughs> I, I was wishing to take on Djokovic maybe in the quarter, but there's just nothing in there. 
And then you have Rublev, who, as you said, is probably the weakest of these eight guys. And he also has a tough first rounder against Laszlo Jere. That's not a certain win for him. But yeah, other than other than him, there's also nothing too too good uh, down there. <laughs> Do you have anyone in the in that eight? I mean, look at look at Harachanov's draw. I suppose. I mean, he's he's got a, a basically walking walkover on slow clay and Constant Lestienne, and then Patrick Kipson, who's only in this because he won. An America, the USTA reciprocal wild card is handed out based on points accumulated at the chow or just in general by Americans on clay courts. It just so happens that he did it. He won it because he played enough clay court challengers on green clay in America, where the fields are much weaker for those who don't, you know, kind of understand the reference as to why I am not sold on Patrick Kipson. Um, and then who the qualifier he plays is like Radu Albot, who's terrible on clay. I think by default, Harnachanov is, is a pretty decent ch- chance. Like, you know? Yeah, sure. Just his, his loss to Barrier also had me like, uh, but yeah, of course, over best of five, maybe he, he edges him, uh, just these guys. Yeah. So before we head down to the bottom half, I just want to pause real quick. Are there any prices on, I don't think the quarters are priced up just yet or players to win the quarter are priced just yet. Uh, the qualifiers are just placed. The books want that information before they price anything up because it does change kind of the calculations. If you get three or four qualifiers in a single quarter that are really good, you get two or three others that aren't as good necessarily in a different part of the draw. That affects kind of everyone's chances to win their quarter. So we don't have those numbers yet. Are there any outright prices from the, the players in the top half that you kind of like in this in this spot? Not really. <laughs> Because, yeah. yeah, you have these big guys, and if if I want to take them on, I'll, I'll just uh, watch them first, especially Djokovic. And if he shows signs of weakness, then I'm taking him on, like, in, in the single match, like against Davidovic. But, yeah, outright prices, I don't really like anything. I, I was circling Tsitsipas to reach the quarterfinals, because... There's really nothing in there, as we already mentioned. And if if that's like around even money, that would be a play for me. But on the pure outright market, nothing nothing for me here. I would love to see like a some sort of crazy price on a, on a Yuri Vesley plus games in the first set market. I can't trust his physicality for a full match, but. Man, he has all the tools needed to just hound the holy heck out of Steph Sitsipas, right? The big serve. He can target that that one-handed backhand that has so much trouble on return. He's got the lefty game so he can pin you to that wing in cross-court rallies. Just feels like he should find, by default, several holds. But I, I can't, I'm can't. i obviously not saying he's going to beat Stefano Sitsipas. Just he has a chance to trouble him for like seven or eight service games here and there. But yeah, other than that, it, that does look good. And that's one of the derivative markets, of course, that will be posted throughout the coming uh, hours and I guess day before the main draw gets underway on Sunday. We're recording this, of course, Friday uh, before the main draw. Now, I agree. I don't have anything in that top half. I was kind of doing some written notes to try and prep who I think goes far and where stumbling blocks are and I didn't see any prices in that top half I liked on a, from a pure outright perspective. So I guess we can jump right in to the bottom half. It's the top of the bottom half, number six seed, Holger Runa. The other big seed here, Casper Ruud, as alluded to just a few minutes ago. These two had a frosty match last year, if you'll recall. And I'm sure you do. Fourth no, quarterfinal. It was actually a quarterfinal as well, where they were slated to potentially play again this year. Uh, they were not happy with each other. There was rumors of them screaming at each other in the locker room, unconfirmed, I think. Uh, their families apparently went at it. Just a whole lot of off-court drama uh, between the two Scandinavians. They actually re- they reignited this rivalry in Rome, where Kaspar Ruud, led by a set and break, looked like he was going to beat Runa for the fourth consecutive time before the young Dane came all the way back to win that. Do you see this playing out chalk- in, in a chalky manner here? 
or again, same question as the first couple quarters. Is there a seed here? And there's only one that I've circled that could potentially catch your eye to, to upset kind of the, the, the order here. I actually do do have Rune and Root in the quarterfinals, but yeah, that's much more balanced quarter. You have guys like Kaczmanovic, Serundolo, Fritz, Paul, Struff, Lajovic as well, playing great again this season. Um, but yeah, nothing of none of these I trust to take it really on over best of five against Rune or Root. So yeah, who's the guy? You've been circling. It has to be. It has to be Francisco Serundolo, just because when I'm looking at things, um, I just don't know if the volatility to his game really fits a best of five format all that well, right? That's why Alcaraz, before he won the U.S. Open, even during his run to the U.S. Open, he had a lot of trials and tribulations to overcome because of that kind of erratic, very like ultra aggressive play from the baseline. Serundolo has a bit of that to his game as well, obviously to a much lesser extent, and he's not as athletic. Uh, but that kind of same problem exists in his game. and But he's the only one that I look at that I think, one, is a natural on clay courts, and two, can just hit the ball with the top guys, right? We saw him do it to Yannick Sinner in Rome. We know he, and he's, I believe, in a final in Lyon this week, uh, as we speak, the, the, the lead-up event to the French Open. That's a pretty good result. So he's starting to put some good results together, the last few weeks, so he's got the form, he's got the clay court nature, he's got the big game. But again, that that erratic play kind of concerns me uh, and his ability to sustain a, a, a high enough level to compete with the likes of Rude and Runa uh, over five sets. Yeah, tough, tough again. These these top top guns are just too consistent. Yeah. We, we really do lack the depth here that we do on the women's side, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, it's almost like we're back. We The big three, two of, well, one of them's retired. One of them's out for the season, not playing the French Open for the first time in years. And the other is somewhat injured. And yet we still don't have the kind of, we say wide open field, but wide open means six guys could win it. To us as as tennis people, we've been so used to two or three for however however many years that this feels wide open yet at the same time it, it still feels like it's got to be a group of just five or six so it's kind of a a funny like almost paradoxical in that sense where as much as it feels like a new a new leaf has been turned over it's still a pretty closed group of guys that can actually come through final quarter i will move there yannick sinner is the eighth seed he has a really nice draw here um gregor dimitrov playing some decent tennis he can translate his game across surfaces. He's in the final in Geneva this week in the other men's lead up event. Outside of that though, boy, oh boy. I mean, Alex Zverev, who again, lost in the semis of that event in Geneva, Francis Tiafa, who's never shown the ability to do anything um, on slower clay, especially over best of five. And then it's, then it's Daniel Medvedev, the big question mark. Do you buy the run he had in Rome? Or are you in the same camp as me and you believe that that pair of Rome winners, Rabakina and Medvedev, might be the most underwhelming, unimpressive duo that we've seen win Rome in a long, long time? Yeah, I'd, I'd just say he, Medvedev just uh, is, is odds dropped way too far. So even if you're in the camp uh, that believes in Medvedev, where, where does the value end? He's just uh, nine to one. Or is he even nine to one anymore? Eight um, or nine, yeah. depending on the depending on the shot. Yeah. Right? Yep. So yeah, uh, that's just uh, not enough for me. Even even if I believe his draw is, yeah, super easy. But against against the if if Sinner comes through, even if uh, like Dimitrov comes through or Zverev, I don't trust Medvedev enough. And then he has to win. Two more matches against the elite players like Rune or Alcaraz, Djokovic. Um, yeah, like at eight, eight to one, that's not enough for me. Even if he maybe convinced me more than than you, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not take, taking him on the outright market either. I think part of it for me too is just like the game. There's there's a way to beat him, 
right? Alcaraz showed us at Indian Wells exactly how you do it. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, before he lost to him at Rome, showed us earlier in the season how you do it. You have to serve in volley. You have to take that time away. He's going to camp eight feet behind the baseline. He's going to play lots of matches on Chatrier, I would assume, the main court in at Roland-Garros. I would assume, you know, with all that space on, I think, the biggest court in the world in terms of the room between the stands and the baseline, that he's going to use that, right? Rafa's used it forever. You have to be able to drop shot. You have to be able to come to net and serve in volley, right? That time that it takes for the ball to travel to the baseline and then you to hit it, he's he's recovering to play his next defensive shot. If you come to net and hit a volley, you take away a lot of that time from him. It's kind of the book on how to beat him. And we just haven't seen anyone employ it. And he just doesn't have enough offense to his game. I know he's added a bit of heaviness to the forehand, but man, it's just, it feels like a much, 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 much better version of Hubert Hercatch, like the serve and push. I'm just going to find a ton of free points with my serve. And then I'm going to push and defend from the baseline until you make a mistake. I, that's it. <laughs> it's 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 tough for me to to really. It's not about a respect thing. I, I, you got to respect the hell out of that consistency, the ability to play that way, the the physical kind of ath- the athleticism you have to have to employ that strategy. But it's beatable because you're rarely in control, if you know what I mean, right? If if someone that yeah, sure. wants to be on the front foot can dictate, you're in trouble. For me, it's just lacking again, lacking guys. Uh, that have these aggressive plays. Like if if you take Sinner or Zverev in the quarterfinals, I don't trust their bodies. And beforehand, he he has what? Who do you have? Who does he have? Oh, say what? Which? Okay, that that that's interesting first first round. But then Ali Nishioka, Chorich, that's all guys. He he's beating comfortably usually. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, even Ali is, like, you know, good server, good forehand in his own right, but he's much more of a baseliner, right? And you're just, you're not beating Medvedev standing at the baseline trying to hit through him and the clay. Mm-hmm. Same with Chorich, just lacks the weapons, uh, although he would come to net, I think, a bit more, which would be kind of, you know, more effective. It's got to be Sinner Zverev, and to me, it's got to be Yannick Sinner because Alex Zverev has shown Three times now, he's not up to the task. Twice from commanding leads against Medvedev already this year. Once, I think he had 10 break points early in the second set. Didn't take any of them. And then Medvedev twisted his ankle on top of that and still lost. And then he had, I think, match points in Monte Carlo. Um, I was on, he's in this on, quarter. on him. Yeah, I was on Zverev that day. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think I was too. And, you know, match points gone. And so he's had trouble kind of getting over a mental hump it seems with Medvedev I just think if, if Sinner can hold up here he has such a lovely job like he's he, it's almost walkovers into the third round Mueller doesn't have the weapons to beat him unless the crowd is just gonna carry him like no one's been carried before yeah. and then Hughes on slow clay and Altmaier a little too uh little too one-dimensional for me and I don't know if that that one-handed backhand is going to hold up against the intense power that Sinner generates. So for me, Yannick Sinner is my only outright play uh, for the entire men's draw prior to seeing those kind of derivative markets, right? That we talked about stage of elimination, reach uh, who goes further uh, quarter winners. I might add there, but Sinner at at, uh, 11 to one or 12.00 is the only bet I've actually made so far uh, for the men. How about you? I didn't make any bets so far. I was looking at Rune, but but same with him as with Medvedev. The odds are just too low now. So I'm really just uh, looking at these derivative markets and yeah, just follow through. Maybe one of the big guys uh, gets out early and another one convince me, convinces me, and then I'll add throughout the tournament. But as of now, I don't see too much value there. Right. I think that's the only consensus we really have, right? Is uh, <laughs> that there's not a whole lot of value in a pre-turn in the pre-turnant outrights um, for the men's draw. Let's head on over to the women then. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Because I think, you know, as always, we have a we have a better possibility of these crazy long shots coming in. In 2019, Marketa Vondrosheva was 150 to one, made the final. Uh, in 2020, was it no 2021? Barbara Krajcikova won the event as a 200 to one uh, shot. And in that same year, Zidansh, is that the same year Zidanshik made the semifinal as a long mm-hmm. shot? Martina Trevisan last year into the semifinals as I think a three, a triple digit long shot. This is the chance to, to try and find these players at longer odds, especially this year where there might be some question marks around um, the health of Iga Sviantek, who is a sub even money favorite to win it. And then you've of course got the second and third favorites, Arena Sabalenka deservedly. So, and then Elena Rabakina on the heels of winning Rome but doing so with a buy in the first round and then three retirement victories en route to that <laughs> title. And she looked pretty poor against Jasmine Paolini in the first set too, as like, you know, get a minus eight or 900. I'm not sure what the conversion is from decimal to American odds, but as that monster favorite, she's the third favorite here. And I feel like that in and of itself kind of provides, there's gotta be value somewhere down the board to be had. So let's dive in first quarter. You've got, Sviantek at the top as the one seed. Coco Goff, last year's finalist who lost to Sviantek, is on the sixth line down at the bottom of the quarter. Anything in here that that kind of piques your interest? Yeah, opposing Goff. <laughs> Early and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I just saw uh, Mira Andreeva was also placed in there. And yeah, you have a few names uh, over there, like the aforementioned Krejcikova. If she gets to the uh, match with Sviantek, we've seen her beat be- beaten before. And yeah, as you said, I, I think it's crazy to make uh, Sviantek minus 120 with her injury uh, concerns. She lost to Sabalenka in Madrid to Ribakina in Rome. Yeah. So yeah. Um, on that train, there's value to be had. I'm just not sure yet who to pick because there's also other girls like Kudametova, Kalinina, who's playing great tennis in uh, in Rome, uh, making it to the finals. Yeah, just um, the extra uh, with Coco Goff in there, who's really, I don't know where her, her consistency, even on her backhand. It's totally gone. She's getting outplayed as soon as a, a yeah a talented girl faces her, and yeah, added added that uh, makes even more makes the other girls even more value. Just not sure whether Krejcikova, Kudemetova, Kalinina, or even Andreeva. Do you have any one of these? I think for me, if you're gonna like Veronica Kudemetova, you better hope that Sviantek is out to Krejcikova or there's a retirement along the way if she tweaks something. Because if you look up the way that kind of rivalry has gone, it has been the definition of one-way traffic, my word. And you can understand why, right? Kudmetova doesn't have, she has like an okay serve forehand combo, but not nearly enough to trouble Shrialtek. The the spin that Shrialtek throws back at her, she really troubles, she struggles, pardon me, to find any kind of answer with, with depth that doesn't sail long. Uh, it's very, very defensive. She can't really counter punch it or do much to it. And the one advantage she would have is her net play. And that's kind of useless against a player that plays with heavy spin and, and hits passing shots so well. So I think she's won like four games in the last six sets she's played against Shvialtek. That's like, I'll yeah, never back it's... her just for that reason. Unless I unless we get news that Shvialtek really is, it's more serious than she tweeted about. That case, maybe, but... Yeah, but, if, but if she's but... in the, if she's in the quarters, then maybe she's fine. 
Um, and added to Kudometova, maybe she's really the one I, I'm also crossing out because she's maybe has some mental issues as well as soon as she gets to the final stages because she lost, I think, her last eight semifinals. So maybe there's something right. in there as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw something uh, in social on the social media space about her trying to catch Maria Sakari in that uh, <laughs> in that department, who we'll get to in the bottom half of the draw, because Maria's had her issues in the latter stages of tournaments uh, as well. Just feels like if you want to attack this quarter, or even in this half, I would just look at quarter prices again. Uh, I know in the mm -hmm. second quarter, I'm, I'm keen to attack... Um, a couple or at least one number there that I think is ridiculous uh, to oppose Elena Rabakina from an outright perspective. I, I've taken the outright uh, small because it's like a triple digit number, but the quarter price I'm sure will also end up somewhere in a playable range that you can get, you know, you're more comfortable putting a little more down on um, in that sense for the first quarter though. I've actually left it. I'm with you. I think early and often opposing Coco Goff, that first match could actually be a problem. Masarova is, she gets more time on the clay. Uh, she has the power both on her serve and forehand to rush Goff's weak wing. And she's over plus 300, or at least she was last night when I bet her. So like <laughs> those all, it, it, it seems that simple. Honestly, she's, she's in decent form this year. I'm not sure if uh, her clay court season has been the best, but she has the tools necessary to trouble Goff. And I mean, like you alluded to, it used to be Goff would dominate players worse than her. And it took someone with power to rush her forehand. And that's why she, like the, the French Open last year, because she got more time and you couldn't rush it as easily. Now she's losing to Marie Boschkova, like a counter-punching, flatter-hitting hardcorder on clay from a setup. Like things are just unraveling really quick for Coco. Uh, and that's probably the best way to attack that quarter. Second quarter, four seed, Elena Rabakina, the Danil Medvedev of this uh, of the women's draw if you will do you believe in the rome run or not it's probably a little easier to not believe in because she had again multiple retirements and medvedev beat some some top tier players at the end of his event but the other reason this is so open is on shabur is here as the seventh seed one she has a daunting task right off the bat against lucia bronzetti who has really picked up form she made a semi-final at a 125k in florence she's in the final this week in chabat in morocco and Jabour's hasn't been fit, like admittedly, explicitly stated she hasn't been fit in quite some time. Didn't look good in Rome. I believe she played it. Couldn't even defend, try to defend her title. Madrid had to withdraw. So your top two seeds here, Vinny, one that isn't the most convincing on clay and didn't have the most convincing path to a, a W1000 final or WTA1000 level final or title. And the other who hasn't been kind of, has looked injured for months now. You've got you got you've got to like something here, right? I mean, are there what what player uh, is it for you that you think could make could make a run? Sorry, is it sorry for you, sister? No, no, it's not. Not, not. no. Okay, she's one of the overvalued players for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really liked her this year. Quarterfinals in New Orleans, semifinals Miami, which are also playing super slow. Only lost to Iga and Ostapenko. I think, one one twenty five on clay. But yeah, of course, she doesn't have the um, that high of a ceiling, but she beats these girls that have bad days, and she's always there. And for me, yeah, in that, as you said, Jabor is also one I want to attack. And I'm looking at Sister, and I'm curious, who is it for you? And, you know, this is someone I've bet a lot this season. And Bia? I bet outright, it's Bia. No, it's Beatrice okay. Hadachmaya. Um, there was 100 to 1 up at... Uh, okay, I didn't see that. Okay. I just saw uh, 67. Uh, last night. Mm. Uh, even, even at a 67, uh, I don't hate because the draw is so open. And I, I have her legitimately as my favorite to reach the semifinal which I know sounds crazy. And, you know, again, the data people are going to scream at me. The quantitative people are going to scream at me. How can you have her more likely than Rabakina? Because I don't buy Elena Rabakina on slow clay. And On Jabour has been hurt for quite some time. The other thing I was looking at, Vinny, and I got my wish. And another one of my favorites, 
a lefty. I saw a qualifier spot, and you're going to know who it is instantly because I gave it away with the lefty. But I saw a spot playing Katarina Bandel, who hasn't won a match in months. And I said, please put like a Mira Andreeva there, or even a Sarah Balek, or a Clara Tossin. And we get Olga Danilovic wins a W100 in Madrid convincingly without dropping a set. She qualified for this event convincingly without dropping a set. Beat Mira's actual uh, older sister, actually, uh, Erica, in that final round of qualifying. Got to watch a bit of that match today. Dominant first. When she's on a roll, then she's got kind of her feet working and she's finding the range on her ground strokes. That's the particularly important part because she can spin her lefty serve out wide. Uh, she's a natural on clay. She's got a big first as well. She can hit from both wings from the baseline. When she isn't committing too many errors, who's stopping her in this eighth of the draw? Petra Kvitova? Like Donna Vekic? Old Shabur when, when she's potentially not uh, healthy? I have, her, I have her as a good chance to beat Sori Kirstea as well. So that's the name I would look at here in the, the kind of bottom eighth of this, of this half or quarter. Yeah, I'm also scared of her because yeah, I, I put down some notes and when I circled sis there, I had it like quarter, uh, like qualifier. I don't know, Arancha Rus or some someone like that. So yeah, I'm I'm also with you. Olga could be could be dangerous. Yeah, did did you also uh, find some numbers on her? Not yet, right? No, no, yeah, because they just placed all the the qualifiers into the draws, so it it made it kind of uh, kind of difficult because I think it's going to take. Oh. It usually takes a couple hours, so we'll we'll see later. Already on, but... see uh, Clara thousand five hundred to one. <laughs> wow! Oh, there you go. Oh, Olga is also five hundred one. There you go. I mean, you're not going to get much down on that, and you're instantly going to be, you know, uh, sent to check if you can get your entire stake <laughs> on that. So it's it's one of those things where if you see anyone being like, oh, one unit five hundred to one. In this, in the, in the handicapping space, no one's getting that that amount down. Uh, to be honest, on that wager, but I certainly think it's worth a few bucks. I really do. Uh, whether it's to extract equity equity later on, or my favorite part about that number is hopefully you get something correlated to that number for the quarter prices, right? If if there's if you, if she's behind eight to ten to twelve women in overall outrights, good. I want her to be the fourteenth favorite to win this this. Uh, section of 32 women right or 18th or 20th or 25th favorite to win this quarter she's got a path that is manageable I think Olga Danilovic is one to watch if you can get a, a fairly decent number on her and like I said I have Bia Hadachmaya Beatrice pardon me at 100 to 1 I would take it at 66 to 1 I do think again she's in that right uh, eighth of this draw she, even if she would play Oh no, she played Rabakin in the fourth round, pardon me. But even still, you're staying away from Rabakin until the fourth round. You've got a hopeless clay court, slow clay quarter in Tatiana Maria in the first round. Diana Schneider could be a concern in that second round, but she's been off playing, I think, college tennis uh, to this point. Rebecca Marino's hopeless on slow clay. Annalena Friedsam, it's been okay this clay court season, but again, these aren't people I consider threats to her. Uh, and Katarina Alexandrova gets more time on clay, but far too volatile for me. I just think Bia's got a, an extremely well-rounded game and she should have beat Kalanina um, in Rome. And then that puts her where? In the semis or in the final? Was that, that was the quarterfinal. That puts her in the semis. If she's in the semis in Rome, you're never getting a triple digit on her, triple digit number on her to win the French. Yeah. Uh, I know. I don't hate it either. Maybe I'll add someone her as well. Yeah. So for you, Kirst, just to, uh, to wrap up the first half, then I don't think either of us had anything in the first half or first quarter. The second quarter, I have uh, Bia, and I'll be looking at Olga Danilovic, and you have Sori uh, Sirstea for the quarter or overall or both? I'm, I'm waiting for the quarter prices and probably just uh, taking her for the quarter, yeah. Fair. All right. We'll move on to the bottom half of the draw. And again, this is a... Is this the most open quarter for you, the third one, Vinny? For me, it is. Yeah, for me too. Because yeah. like it, if we it, go it through the seeds. At the, yeah. <laughs> it starts at the very top. Zachary Muchova. What is right. this? Uh, I mean, how yeah. many times have we uh, seen Wondrosova or Muchova draw like 
a first or second match where it's a first or second round match where it's like, oh my gosh, like that is a tough, tough draw for whoever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I still like Mukova. She's she seems healthy finally, has one of the best tennis IQs out there, has all the shots, and if she would have been injury free, she would have had such a great career already. Um, and if she gets past uh, Sakari, there's there's yeah, Podoroska, Begu, Benchic, who's been out injured, Leila, who's out of form. And yeah, I, I still like Mukhova to get uh, out of that first eighth, even even with that tough draw. And in the second eighth, yeah, as you said, it's also balanced with Samsonova, Potapova, Pegula. And uh, the one I like there is uh, most is Anastasia Potapova. She's also been playing great this year, uh, has great upside, I think. Nice draw, and um, yeah, should have beaten Pegula twice this year already. Yeah. I was on her twice as well, <laughs> and yeah, hopefully she'll do it this time in the fourth round. I think. And yeah, you know but what? I for think... me, it's yeah. Is this not Sorry. the best surface? Just to jump in, is this not the best surface for her to do it? I feel like Pegula's drop off to clay is larger than her own drop-off, right? So yeah. I, was it at least one hardcore event where Pagula had to come back on her uh, to get the victory? I feel like you put her at the uh, in Rolling Garros, it's going to be much tougher for Pagula to overcome that kind of uh, deficit relative to, to Potapova this time around. Yeah, agreed. Beauty, all right. Yeah, well, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about uh, Belinda. Uh, is she healthy? Did you hear anything? Because she also has such a nice draw, even if even yeah, if but... she didn't have any matches, she she just has some practice matches first. Avanesian, yeah. Georgian, Birel, Birel, and then out of yeah. form Leila. That's that's uh, that's such a nice draw. I actually have someone totally different in that third round. Um, now that I can see the qualifiers again, I'll give it away here and just say that. I mean, Clara Tossin has – this is a good draw for her as well. We, it's been a long time since we've seen her. She gets – she finally starts to hone in on that power. She's got a huge game. She finally starts to show some signs of, like, consistency to go with her power. And then she's out for how long was it? Eight months? A plus? Like, she was out for a long time. Comes back, and it's right back to where she was when she was 17, 18. Not able to control that power. She's finally starting to show some signs of being able to do so. Good. It's a decent first round draw against a fellow erratic player in Sastovich. It's a decent second round draw against Lynette, who's not at her best on clay or in general right now, and Layla, who can't find the court. Like she has no power and can't stop hitting unforced errors, which makes no sense. Again, Canadian tennis isn't a real good spot, guys. Um, but to me, this is just a quarter where like Merton's playing some of her worst tennis in years. Pagula is probably more vulnerable here than any other slam. Uh, Lynette's not her best on clay. Samsonova's not her best on slow clay. Maria Sakari hasn't been, you know, has been so volatile anywhere for who knows how long now. Belinda Bencic has never done anything at the French Open either. It feels like a great spot to take some long shots. Like I'm talking a couple, like you're not going to get down 50 to $100 on these, but Mayar Sharif was a 300 to one at one point. Um, Taylor Townsend's going to be a big underdog here because she's plays Potapova first round. That's not the best draw for Potapova either. These kinds of names you can you can pick out and just throw a couple bucks down and, and enjoy yourself and hope you get to like a third, fourth, uh, fourth round or, or quarterfinal, you know, because there are no seeds here that seem really that tough to beat, right? They're all beatable uh, players in this quarter. So for me, the only thing I've got is Mayar Sharif. Uh, at 301 Whoa. again these okay. are like a couple bucks right you can, you're not getting more than 10 or 15 down i can't get more than like 472 down these days because of um my marquette of androsheva outright with them years four years ago <laughs> i'm still limited to like five bucks on long shots now so i'll be i'll be open i'll be open on that it's it's just a few bucks for fun but 
there's a run. Who know? Who knows, man? It, it still pays decently, even if you can uh, utilize that kind of terrible draw to your advantage. And she also had had that run in Madrid as well to the quarters. So I, I'm not I'm not really high on her, to be honest. But <laughs> also, as you said, anything's possible in this quarter. Yeah. Do you have any like official uh, stuff that you've played just yet? Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't play anything uh, as of yet. But I'm looking at uh, Muchova and Potapova here. I see. I saw 50s on Potapova, and I thought that was a uh, great number until I realized, man, it's Taylor Townsend. The kick serve from her uh, could give fits to someone who likes to hit the way Potapova does. I don't know if she's going to have that patience. Uh, the big first serve as well, the lefty game. She's got spin from the baseline. She can play with power. She can come into net. I hate that matchup. Uh, that's it's ni it's nice to not have played the fifty. I almost did, and then I realized that see who the qual there were so many good names in qualifying that I had to wait. Maybe you'll get a better yeah, number sure. now too, because once they price up yeah, the first round she, match, she's already at sixty six to one. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense, right? It makes total sense because mm -hmm. that's that's a matchup that's not going to be one sided in the first round, which is going to make that potential money line rollover um you know it, it's just going to necessitate that they increase or, or decrease their price make it cheaper uh for betters on her outright on to the fourth quarter then uh carolyn garcia at the top here the fifth seed the she who served her way to prominence late last year and thought you know don't fix what ain't broke except the problem is her return is broken her return game is broken uh still hasn't fixed it though has been pretty poor all year that's very vulnerable seed um, as the five seed in this event. She's in a section with Martina Trevisan. Then you've got Yelena Ostapenko, former champion or finalist here. Uh, I believe champion. It was Wimbledon. She was the finalist. Sure. There, right? Yeah. I, I can't remember which one she won in and which one she won. Like, yeah. yeah. It was so my six years when ago. I was still, it was still when I bet, was betting recreational and that it was my first big hit 100 to one. Yeah. Could have probably gotten 300 to one, but I was just paying at one or two books. And, but yeah, that was uh, really the one that motivated me uh, with the betting at all. I think that Ostapenko in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Never. So forget. there's another example, right? You had, you had Trevisan make a run into the semis last year, Podoroska in 2020, you know, 2019 was Vondroshova, 2021 was Kaichikova, 2017 was Ostapenko. Trends don't mean anything for the future or for this particular event. You could have the top four seeds make it this year or the top four odds on favorites. But this is the slam where you're most likely to see uh, like a clay court specialist with a decent draw make a deep run. So try and look out for those um, high numbers. Ostapenko, obviously, no longer one of those high numbers. She actually has been okay of late, as volatile as her game is. But, you know, the other names here, Zhang Shenwen. And Arena Sabalenka are probably the noteworthy ones. You know, I don't I don't think Zhang Shuai is doing much of anything on clay anytime soon, or now that she's in her mid-30s ever again, <laughs> if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pliskova seems to be on the down, the downswing more than anything. So anything again here for you to that intrigues you, whether it's potential quarter prices that will be coming out uh, in again the coming hours, or from an outright perspective, anything you've got your eye on. Yeah, I was having my eye on uh, the queen because I'm, I'm seeing uh, Sabalenka drop with the outright odds. She's now only five to one. And I was thinking maybe maybe that's uh, when Queen Wen Zheng also starts rising, but she's still in the 50s. But yeah, I'm, I think that's still okay. I'm still waiting for a breakthrough. I think Clay is perfect for her. She has a decent draw. Um, okay, Tamara Shidanchek is not that easy of a qualifier, but should still get through her. And yeah, as you said, Pliskova is on the on the on the downswing. And yeah, I'm I'm still not sure about Sabalenka either. Sure. Um, and I mean, approach, yeah. The Zhang matchup, and and just before we we go over to other potential players. How's the matchup there between Zhang and Sablank? Is it not somewhat similar players, but you're just going to have the way cheaper uh, kind of priced player in that potential head-to-head -head matchup? Like they're both big servers, can both be erratic, both big hitters from the baseline. 
I mean, Arena still has some, some more, little bit more power, but but she's also a little bit more erratic, and uh, you never know about her serve. Maybe it it just starts um, getting all over the place again, and then she could be there. Yeah. Right, like like Dang we saw in Indian Wells, the final, right? We 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 were praising her for you know reducing the double mm -hmm. faults all year, winning the Australian Open. Then what happens against Rabakan in that final? It's just the double faults come back in a heartbeat, right? And that's why it's so hard to back Arena as a second or third favorite in one of these draws because it, it you got to win seven instead of four or five, right? Depending on whether you have a buy in an event or not. So you've got to win additional matches. And that those double fault issues could cost her at any point. They could cost her the event. And Marta Kostruk, by the way, not the easiest first round opponent either for the number two seed in the draw. I think it's probably easier than her second or tougher than her second round match, right? Against either Udvardi or Shimanovich, which is a walkover. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, M Marta Kostruk's got to be looking at this and saying, really? You My name couldn't have come out one slot earlier, so I could have played Udvardi. And Shimanovic gets Sabalenka. At least get myself to the second round. I don't know. She ends up having to play Sabalenka first while one of Pana Udvardi, who just lost 6-1, 6-1 in her warm-up tournament and has been awful this year, plays Irina Shimanovic. Just, it's funny how the, the quirkiness of tennis, man, and how these things work out is incredible. But um, yeah, sorry. Go back to Zhang and some other players that... Uh, that uh, Yeah, you know, some other players. I was, I was looking at... Um... Vandrovshova as well, but yeah, it, this draw <laughs> really cracks me up. She's in the same eighth, uh, or is it even an eighth? She's in the same section as uh, Kasatkina, second round, and Ostapenko, third round. And she's the seventh favorite, so I can't can't bet her at that price uh, now. And same with uh, same with the other girls, <laughs> like Ostapenko is 20, 20 to one or something. That's way too low for me. So yeah, this section is super balanced, but uh, I don't see any value in there, unfortunately. Right, and I'm with you, actually. I think that Zhang is probably the one player that I'm looking at. I've actually bet her already. I got her at 50. She's at 66 now uh, over at Unibet. So I guess, again, qualifier placement has driven her price down, which is unfortunate. I'll see if I can get uh, a little bit more down there or if... if you know, one of the other books follows suit. I think, you know, the hammer and, and bet stamper are Ontario based. They, they know about all these, all these books are on, on the app. Um, and, you know, I'm in Ontario, you're in Europe, which has three, six, five, which has Unibet, which has pinnacle. So, uh, you know, these should be available for a lot of the viewers Bet three, six, five, hopefully follow suit gets to 66 and I can add more to my stake on her there. It's the only thing I've bet I have a little bit on Sharif, but again, that's just a few bucks <laughs> what I could get down at 300 to one. Um, and I do think that there's value on Zhang in this spot, but it's a good, you know, again, a nice draw. And Bihadad Maya is the other one for me in the top half. But usually I have five or six names in the women's draw that I pick out and I, I throw very little amounts down on it at very high numbers, hoping to get one player with a decent draw a well-rounded game and clay court ability into that semifinal that seems to happen every year, but there just weren't as many numbers this year for some reason. Yeah, same, same, same. Um, I'm still looking at some some of these players, but yeah, nothing I particularly love as of now. But yeah, waiting for quarter prizes is a usual, sorry, usual strategy of mine. Anyway, so I'm hoping for maybe see some discrepancies between quarter and outright prices. And that's my way to go usually. And yeah, I'm hoping for good numbers on Potapova, Sirstea, and Mukhova. And of course, Zheng. Yeah. Right. And you know what? If Iga Sviantek is 100% healthy... That's that's another kind of it's not a it's not a hedge per se, but it's a it's a it's a nice advantage to have if you're targeting quarter prices away from Shriantek's quarter, like Bia Haddad Maya, like Zhang Shinwen, like Sori Kirstea, or you know uh, I forgot the fourth Mahova as well. These are all away from Shriantek's quarter. So if Iga comes out and her tweet was correct, she's like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. I think I'll be ready for the French, my favorite tournament, and the one that I'm going to try and be the 
you know, the new Raphael Nadal at and just win every year. You're not really running into the, oh no, what have I done? Um, my ticket's dead because Iga is going to dominate everybody because these are just quarter prices and they don't have to deal with her. So these are all things um, that kind of play into your favor if you if you kind of wait for these derivative markets to come out as well. Vinny, thanks for joining my friend. Appreciate the time as always. What is your, or your handle is on the screen. So again, from Germany, <laughs> yeah, Big Vinny, one of my favorite tennis uh, handicappers out there. Thanks again, Vin. Thank you for guiding me through and sorry for my broken English, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. As I always say, better than my German, which isn't even broken because it doesn't <laughs> exist. So you know, it's all good. Um, I'm John. You can find me at Tidbits Tennis. I do content uh, throughout the slams and throughout the tennis season as well. Hope any of you that decide to join us in betting the French Open have a good time doing so. It provides you with some daytime content every day for a couple of weeks because it's, of course, over in Europe. And it's all day every day. And of course, best of luck in all your wagers as well.